Welcome to Queer Spirituality, the podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill. This podcast is about an idea. It's the radical idea that queerness is a gift and that the divine celebrates it rather than merely accepts it. We'll explore the special role that queer people are meant to play in the coming spiritual awakening. Through the lives and stories of queer people, we'll explore the many ways of approaching the divine and how the sacred reveals itself in everyday actions. Most of all, this is a podcast about love. It's about the love of the universe. It's about love between people. And it's about the love a community can share with one another. Thank you for joining me. Hi, and welcome to Queer Spirituality, the podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossan Hill. And today I have with me a very special guest, David Wood. David Wood is a third degree high priest and clan head within the sacred order of the Black Forest. He is a Reiki, Hoodoo, and Spiritism practitioner. He is soon opening a new witchery where he will sell his magical oil blends and other handmade items. David currently teaches and presides over the Black Forest Clan of the Black Leopard with four covens currently under his leadership. He's a pagan recording artist with eight CDs to date and has interviewed many known pagan celebrities in his time with radio and can be found at www.davidwoodmusic.com. Welcome to the show, David. Hi, thank you. Lots of things just in your bio that I kind of want to talk about, but just, you know, since we are talking mostly about queer spirituality here to start off right away, um, what does queer spirituality mean to you? It means that I'm queer and I'm spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's a topic that somebody like me, you know, I'm only speaking for myself here. I don't really put that much stock into it because I am who I am, and within the spiritual groups that I'm drawn to, I've always been welcome and accepted. So I've never really taken, taken rather, a hard line one way or the other. I, I just practice what I like and what feels comfortable to me, and I'm totally fine whether I'm gay or not. I'm pretty old school, so, you know, that's... I don't know a lot of the new terminology you'll find, uh, you know, in today's culture of gay men. Uh, I'm pretty old school, and uh, but I guess I'm I'm cognizant of it. But it's just I practice what I practice. Uh, I'm accepted where I go, and uh, I'm pretty happy as far as being a uh, pagan gay man. Yeah. Yeah. So you you hit on something there that's kind of interesting to me, too, too, because, you know, as someone in my 50s, when I went to school, we had a gay, bisexual and lesbian student union. And, you know, now there's so much more included in that. You know, we've got queer, we've got um, trans, we've got non-binary, asexual, we've got all these different labels. And so 
I'm glad to hear someone else sometimes has a little trouble keeping up with it or just is sort of like, <laughs> okay, I'm still learning these terms because, you know, as much as I try to educate myself and, and make sure that I'm showing respect Correct. to people and, and all of that, it, it's a lot to keep up with. It so, is. And, yeah. and it's great. I mean, I celebrate it with everybody. However, it wasn't that way when you and I were growing up and being becoming an adult very early. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what I, I think it's, it's really positive that we have those because like, Mm-hmm. For us, you had to be, you had to fit into one of you were straight, you were gay, you were bi, or you're a lesbian. And it wasn't really that was any it. other that like spectrum. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So um, what's it been like being queer in the music industry? Oh boy. That's a that's a double-edged sword right there. Um when I first started out there will there were individuals within the record business who wanted to take advantage of that fact that i was gay it wasn't that they were gay or not that i thought of back then they wanted to take advantage merely for the sake of power And put you in a spot that you've always heard of the Me Too movement and stuff like that. Gay men have the Me Too movement as well. And things did happen. People did force themselves on me. And then there were other times where, I'll be honest, I took action and tried to use that to get myself places as well. So I can't really blame if that makes sense. There were times when things happened that I did not want to happen and damage me very badly. However, did I seek out to do things like that as well for my own benefit? Yes, I did. Mm, yeah. And- so that's what being gay in the music business is sort of like before there really was a, 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 a pagan music industry, so to speak. Right, right. Because I know mm-hmm. you started more in mainstream music and then transitioned into pagan yeah yes yes okay so um what's what's sort of the biggest challenges being a queer pagan recording artist i've not had any wow that's great that's wonderful Uh, because it really happened at a later time than when my striving for the regular music business started Okay. So we are we're we're talking. I came from Kentucky, a small little town, back, and I got started in the music business as to what I wanted. Um, back probably late eighties, early nineties. Wow. And uh, went everywhere, and that's when you know, of course, what I just mentioned, the trouble started. You know. Um, yeah. Ah, wow. It's just been some time. I'm sitting here taken aback a little bit because I'm like, wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> and things have most definitely changed. I'm going to say for the better. But I mean, Michael Lloyd, if I can bring him up, he was talking about in his book, Bull of Heaven, about how gay men were not treated well in the craft. Right. And and I've never had that experience. I was always accepted because uh, I think I 
started in the craft as far as a tradition goes in 1997. I was solitary before then as of 1987. So I've never really had the problems that some people have had in the craft being gay. Great. That's, that's wonderful. I mean, I haven't experienced it myself and, you know, I've even been Mm -hmm. in in some of the ceremonial magic orders, but I know a lot of people have even experienced that in the OTO and some of the other groups as well. Um, That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even recently, which is really kind of surprising. So um, you mentioned that you grew up in a small town of Kentucky. So, you know, obviously coming out is, is somewhat of an easier process for, for kids today than it was for our generation so what was it like coming of age as a queer person in a a small town i didn't know i i think i think i had a big lustful uh attraction to billy idol back in the day i would sit and play his albums and look at the posters and sigh (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) and um i really didn't get it then until I met my first partner who happened happened to be a radio DJ that was not strive for, <laughs> but a very popular radio DJ in my little town. And uh, he, he was most definitely gay, as it turns out. He was following me at the same time I was following him. Um, and... I, there you go. I got a lot of advice there and a lot of, you know, things like that. I think he may have hooked me up with some people, not in a bad way, but uh, with some people who were uh, looking for new artists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then I ended up leaving Kentucky right around 1990, 89, 90, um, coming out. Uh, I ended up not coming out to my mother. My father was never around. I didn't come out to my mother until years later when I was going and trying to land production gigs where I was mixing live performances and doing things like that. Because I had went to school as well to learn these things. And I wanted to put them to use. And uh, there was that plus trying to get back to Kentucky to see the first partner. And it just, you know, that was not working. That was me living a very young, youthful dream of thinking I could keep a partner forever, you know, during that type of thing. And uh, that didn't work out. So I was emotionally messed up over that. And my mother was like, are you on drugs? (laughs) That was the first thing she asked me. I rarely drank at that point. And uh, I said, no, why would you ask me that? She's like, things aren't right. You're not right. You're emotional. You don't, you know, you're upset all the time. And and, uh, I thought you were doing good. And during this whole conversation, I ended up telling her, look, Ted and I are not just friends. You've walked in on us before for crying out loud you know and you've said nothing and i'm gay and and there it is and she cried well there go the grandchildren (laughs) (laughs) that's the only thing she said (laughs) 
<laughs> so she's gotten used to it now and there's no problem whatsoever. Um, Great. That's wonderful. You know, a lot of people experience so much bullying because it seems like all the other kids knew before they were. <laughs> so, right. Um, My yeah, mother's yeah. always loved me. I'm very thankful of that. She's never been overtly religious in any way, but so have you. So, yeah, that's really helpful when you have supportive parents. My my mother uh -huh. had no issue when I came out either. So she was very right. accepting. Um, but, you know, I did get bullied a lot in school, like from a very young age, like before I oh, yes. had any idea what queer was, I was getting bullied and called faggot and things like that in school. Yes, yes. Every single day <laughs> I would have it. And if I was trying to date a girl just to save face or what have you, um, I would get bullied because they were jealous. <laughs> you know, it was one way or the other. And finally, before I did leave Kentucky, here came a truck full of guys as I was going into a post office. And I was trying to make that decision. Do I stay here with this, this, my first partner, or do I leave and try to do something, mm -hmm. you know, that I really want to do. And, uh, Hey, faggot. That's what they said to me was, hey, faggot, you look all pretty. You ought to be on TV. And I stopped dead in my tracks. And I turned around, looked at him, and I said, thank you. That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I left. I did. I started making arrangements and all that, and I took off. <laughs> That's great. That's a wonderful story. <laughs> great, great to see a bully actually like validating what we want to do with our lives. <laughs> right. It was the strangest thing in the world to just stop in your tracks. And I did. It's, you know, I wouldn't over exaggerate. I was just like, there's my sign. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, so in terms of your spirituality, you just kind of are primarily involved in the craft and you don't really like think about it as, queer spirituality other than the fact that you identify as queer but otherwise it's just regular wicca and you're just kind of practicing with a with a group of whoever it doesn't matter if they're straight gay bi whatever so right however i realize that it's not different for me than it is for a lot of other people who've experienced bad things or what have you uh, uh quote michael lloyd's book again mm-hmm you know, and it's just like when I was reading that, I thought, wow, you know, Gardner, you know, who people praise and thank for the craft every day. He did not appreciate gay men at all. No, no, not the time not. of day, not yeah. the time of day. And I'm part Gardnerian. So <laughs> uh, go figure, you know, hey, hey, Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so does. In terms of your experience of, of the divine, like being queer, do you find a stronger affinity for the God or the goddess or a particular concept of the divine? You know, it was always equal for me, and I see more of an all, similar to the Kabbalion, yep. uh, as an all rather than a primary focused Lord and Lady if you yeah. will. Yeah. Um, I do take on Hecate and the Morrigan, and I also deal with Pan, and it, it, depending on the mood you're in, but I understand deep down and underneath that it's all one. 
there is one force flowing through all living things. And it's which aspect of the jewel you choose to pick that day or looking at, you know. So in a nutshell, that's to me, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sort of a Buddhist, like everything's kind of all one. And, you know, there's a lot of lot of traditions that look at that. And, you know, the whole thing is about the illusion of separateness that that we're, we have this illusion that we're all separate when we're all really one. Correct. Yeah, correct. Correct. It it is, I will say to you, and I don't know, I don't know if this was a after marijuana thing or what have you, but it truly is an illusion. Mm -hmm. It truly is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a human design specialist, and we even teach that in human design, the the magnetic monopole in your design, like creates this the illusion of separation by holding like your design and your personality crystal together by holding your consciousness in your form, it like creates that illusion. So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty cool. Um, so what's your relationship like with the queer community? <clears throat> oh boy. Well, I'm a little bit older. I'm quite 52 going to be 53 this year. And um, it used to be all the time. Um, it was all the time, every day and night, being in the queer community. I, trying to be a artist, recording artist, and sort of, if you will, quote, quote, star myself, um, I didn't fit in with the gay choir type things in the city I'm in. Um, they didn't like me and I didn't like them. I don't know if that's totally true, but that's the feeling I got. Um, I always did what I wanted to do. Um, and this community, I hear gay men talk about it and then treasure it at the same time. It can be good if you are in the mindset to take it to a positive and good place. I was not. I'd had a a whole lot of things happen to me in the queer community that were not good or tasteful. And I don't go out and be a part of the queer community any longer because we're in the day and age now, like I've said before, (coughs) excuse me, where straight individuals don't treat you any differently. Yeah. Uh, I'm not hanging out in the country part of the world any longer. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in the city and a lot of people that my partner have around and that have met me and as well, they don't judge us. They never even think to. So it's not a bad atmosphere like it used to be. Do I carry those negative experiences within me? Yes, I do. And that's where I started crossing over into a lot of mindfulness study Mm -hmm. and Buddhist practices. Not that I know enough about it to consider myself such, but it's where I've been finding peace sort of taming the beast that's in me, the rage. Because mm-hmm. I've had it built up over and over again, mm-hmm. uh, certain animosities within the community, within industries and things like that, to where it's like, this is eating me alive. Sure, yeah. I have to fix this. 
Yeah, yeah. You're definitely not the first person that I've heard that just has had really negative experiences of being in queer space and around queer people. And, you know, while I have too, I still kind of have hope for the community. But, you know, I've definitely encountered my toxic people in the community as well. Um, so with that in mind, like thinking about the queer community and, you know, a lot of the toxic behavior that's in the community, if we could overcome those kinds of things, what do you think is the greatest missed potential in the queer community? The greatest potential? Yeah. I think it's coming. I think we're all in danger. Mm. Especially I, especially after the Roe versus Wade turnaround that we're having currently at this moment, we're next. Mm-hmm. We are. And I think a lot of people that really don't know, like Julian, like between you and I, we had to fight mm-hmm. back in our day. We thought we had it good then, too, though. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because we never really had to fight as hard as our predecessors did. Mm-hmm. But we still had to fight our way through a lot of things. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I remember I remember the AIDS epidemic and having to just correct. fight for people to get care. <laughs> correct correct and um but today i don't want to say this the wrong way but there's a lot of people who are just i'm going to say gee 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 that's just my expression you know whereas well they don't they've never had to deal with what we've had to deal with and they should be appreciative Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean to to dwell on it it just means show some respect. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's not out there any longer. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like ageism has definitely eroded that respect for our queer elders that we used to Correct. have because I know I used to hang out. I always enjoyed the company of older people when I was young. I always kind of saw myself as an old soul and didn't really like hanging out with people my own age anyway. I'm but, just saying. <laughs> but, I'm you know, saying. We, there were definitely a lot more of respect towards the the older gays and of course there was more friendships and tight-knit friendships between younger gays and older gays without there being this like oh they're trying to hit on me or you know right that kind of thing that happens now because now like you say hi to a younger person and it's automatically assumed you're trying to get in their pants <laughs> so or right even if you say hello yeah yeah even if you say hello like something as right. innocent as hello yeah and um you know and it's kind of sad because there's a whole generation of gays that that they didn't have elders because they all died from AIDS. You know, we had, we lost an entire generation. And so this generation, I think that's probably part of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this generation now, you know, doesn't understand that some of us who went before that remember that remember like our history is important. And, and, you know, we know that history repeats itself and the people who don't learn from history end up repeating it. And so all these fights that we've had for our rights and for things like care and research dollars for AIDS, all of that, it repeats. And we need to always be vigilant and be ready. And, you know, the, the, the greatest thing we can have is unity. And of course we have all these toxic behaviors sort of driving a wedge um, Mm -hmm. between us all. So uh, they say what you don't learn keeps getting repeated, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So I want to kind of ask you about um, you have a song called King Bitch, and uh, I just I'm kind of curious about that because you know there's that sort of this stereotype of gay men is bitchy, and you know there's this whole like 
in some community places, I've seen it go to toxic lengths of like bitchiness towards one another in the community. So I just was kind of curious, like, how do you think that song kind of um, That's fits what with that, that song's story? about. Oh, That's okay. what that song's about. Um, and the reason it came up is I had an experience with a record promoter and sitting there just all, you know, as I walked in the door, uh, my partner at the time was my manager and did all kinds of abusive things to me as well, but uh, got me in the door to this person and he was listening to some music of mine and he looked up over his glasses at me as I walked in the room and he said, go eat a steak and come back. I was very thin. And, um, I said, excuse me. He's like, waved his hand. He's like, go on, go on. You know, everything like that. And I said, excuse me, you're sitting there like listening to my music, despite what I look like or what you think I look like. Can you at least give me some critique, excuse me, critique on that? Could you, could you tell me what's going on in your head when you hear my music or what have you? And he said, well, you're just a little bitch. Wow. And I'm like, all I did was ask a question and I, you know, and I thought it just reacted. And the only thing, cause gay men more than anyone are prepared for a good comeback. You know, that as well <laughs> as I do. I said, no, I'm King bitch. <laughs> now I didn't think about that until all these years later, trying to get in to control my emotions and that rage that was in me. And it was sort of funny because everything I brought up in that song are things that happened. If you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's like, yeah, you're damn right. I'm King bitch, but it's in defense. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is in defense. And if I don't have to do it, I won't. Now yeah. there's some people who make it a part of their character. Yeah. That's absolutely. not me. That's yeah. not me. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's I, what King Bitch was about if you really listen to it. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, there's definitely people that make that part of their persona, but then at the same time, you've got people who've sort of like put on the mask of toxic masculinity and it's like so, so butch and so um, like just play acting this idea of like the Marlboro man or something insane. And <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. Like, you know, I'm like, can we just be ourselves here? Like, come on, guys. Like, Correct. We'll now, I think that, that sometimes people are taking on a, six, a sexual role of the Marlboro man or the what have you. That's fine. I don't care. You know, it's not for me to care or not care. Whatever you want to do, however you want to dress, that's perfect. But when you come in and you're acting a certain way to everyone in the room. Yeah. It's, it's a little tiresome. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 to me, it's kind of sad, too, because I, I've known people in the gay community. I've, I've known people and they've seen them at various times in their evolution, kind of putting mm -hmm. on different costumes and these different personas. And I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be great if you could just show up and be yourself and, and believe that people would like and respect and love you for that? <laughs> I just had a reading not no more than a week ago where someone said that to me just out of the blue. Yeah. Wow. And I'm like, you know, you're right. 
you know, yeah. because there is a persona, you know, how do I want to look at this show? How do I want to do that? Whatever. And I, I don't know. It, it's just very strange how not only do you act a little different, mm-hmm. but people treat you like you're different. Yeah, so, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about that a lot in human design about projection fields. And, you know, correct. I've, I've been a leader in the spiritual community for a while. And, uh, you know, as a spiritual life coach, people project a certain image on me of what I should be like. And, you know, as a performer, obviously, people are projecting a certain image on you as well. And it's important that we separate ourselves from that projection so that we can be ourselves. So that was kind of my next question I was going to ask about you know, trying to relate in the queer community or, or any community, how do you sort of stop being the person that you're being as a performer? Because, you know, I just did a video a little while ago on uh, my Instagram about human design people who read celebrity charts and talk about their design. And I'm like, how do you talk about somebody's design that you don't see their private side? Like, you don't know who they authentically are. You just know the mask they're putting on. And I think that's true of all performers to an extent. They have a a personal side and a, and, you know, a very private personal side, and then they have their public persona. Well, I think I'm going to ask you, how would you ask that to a drag, drag performer? Oh, that's, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, there's definitely like, how do you, how does a drag performer, you know, next time I talk to a drag performer, I'm going to ask them, how do you like, right. how do you hang that up in the closet? And... Of, <laughs> I think we're all sort of the same. In a lot of ways, because, you know, when you put on that dress and the wig, you're no different than I getting up and singing a song or whatever. It just depends on how far I want. You know what? Performing can be an escape. Mm -hmm. You do get to be that David Wood or that RuPaul, for the lack of a better name, that pops into my head (laughs) or what have you. You get to be that person for a few hours. And then you get to take off that and go and be yourself in every day where most people don't even know you. I've not achieved mainstream levels of success as I always wanted. I tend to think now at this day and time that I wouldn't be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. And my mother even sat me down and talked to me back that about that years and years ago. She said, you're starting to go places. Mm-hmm. you know do you realize that and I said well that's what I've always wanted she's like you better be prepared you're not going to be able to go to the store and pick up this or pick up that you're not going to be able to go through a drive through and get a burger or what have you you're just not mm-hmm. and she sent me down and warned me that years ago and I sort of poo-pooed it uh-huh. you know yeah. and thinking about it and you just asking that I- I'm just sort of like you know People do see what they want to see within you. Mm-hmm. People who want to see that king bitch or that that bitchy person want to see that. Yeah. Until you react because you're so tired of them going on about it or treating you a different way or whatever that you end up being that person they want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it does. I was going to ask, like, is it hard to stop being the performer and being like the real David Wood? It's not for me because I know who I really am now at this age. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> <laughs> being younger, it was it was difficult 
because I wanted to know everybody, wanted everybody to know what I did and who I was. And that was something I had worked so hard for. Yeah. Worked hard, worked so hard to the point to that personality does take over. Mm -hmm. And you end up hurt by the end of the night because you've not been accepted like somebody else would say, hey, come over and talk to us. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, come over and do this. You are different. So they exclude you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And that does hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, in your bio, you mentioned that you were setting up a witchery. Tell me a little bit more about that project. David. <laughs> I had said it up before. I love making conjure oils and nice scented oils to wear or to do magic with. I love doing that. That's my niche. And I've been wanting to do it. At the same time, every time I think about bringing that back for myself, the music starts taking over. So one thing, <laughs> the music always takes over. So apparently that's what I'm supposed to keep doing. Yeah. You know, but I think I'm going to, you know, certain seasons have the music out soon as the music's out i'm gonna go take my break and do my oils and occult materials that i that me and my partner are great at making and try try that for a little while so tried it before it went well and then it sort of died out and the music started taking over again so like i said when when i you sort of make an oath with the gods when you want to be something you've always desired since you were a child. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's an internal thing. It's not an outward. I, I hear you, hear you. I you know, <laughs> ask you to hear me. It's almost like a, a hunger that you will do anything for this thing, and spirit takes that as words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call it spirit, the one, what have you. Yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah. but they hear you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, anything else you may, you know, you may get bored with one thing and try to do something else that's successful. And it's like reality tends to come back to that one thing over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's like it's your sole mission. It's like this is what it I'm is. here to do. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And I'm so, working on the music again now. <laughs> are you? Great. Yes, I am. Yeah. So so we'll have a new album coming soon then? <sighs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Now, and once I start to work on new music, the performances start coming. So right. <laughs> it's right. all like a tidal wave. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now you're also doing all of this recording and writing music and traveling, performing and all of this while you're also working at another job. Is that correct? I have had a day job for going on 25 years. Wow. And how do you and how do you find the time and balance that? It's been hard. It's been difficult. Uh, the past few years, I'm going to be honest. Remember when I mentioned to you, I need to get a grip on this rage and these things that have happened to me and what have you. Well, my partner came into my life two to three years ago. I'm probably misquoting that. So forgive me. Um, And I never thought I was going to have a partner. Mm -hmm. It it wasn't possible. 
it it just was not for me. That's what I wanted more than anything. And now we've been together and we're going strong and it's been great. So I have a good, good person to talk to in my life that I can bounce things off of, if you will. And uh, he loves to see me perform. Mm-hmm. and keeps encouraging me to do it. And I'm, I'm like, I'm tired. You don't understand. It takes me two or three years to make a comeback. <laughs> 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 and uh, I am that way. I yeah. tend to take a good relaxing spell after I've been traveling a lot and writing a lot of music. And mm-hmm. it, it's past time. Uh, COVID interfered with that as well. Yeah. Uh, God knows I have the uh, the the uh, quarantine weight added back on to me. I need to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> now, now I'm being totally vain. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's important to have people that support you and what you do, and that you know love you and support you. I couldn't do what I do without Neil. Um, my husband Neil keeps right. Mm-hmm. You know, stays home, keeps house, does cooks our meals, takes care of the pets, even does all the like annoying scheduling doctor's appointments, calling customer service, like does all of that stuff and keeps the home fires burning when I'm traveling and just does all of that. And it's like, I don't know how I would find time to do all the things that I do as my spiritual work if I didn't have him helping me and supporting me and doing that. So it's great that you've you've found that as well. My partner is a witch as well, and uh, he does readings and he does all kinds of things. So we're both sort of bouncing off of each other. Yeah, that's great. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. You inspire each other, right? Yeah, great. Well, what else um, before we sort of wrap up? Is there anything else you'd really like to share with the listeners? Something popped into my head as I was sitting down getting ready to log on and have this interview with you okay. and you're you're talking about different you had mentioned at the beginning of the at the program here about how do I see the community or how do I reflect off and I didn't know a lot I'm old school and I don't know a lot about the new terminology and what have you the new titles and mm-hmm. things like that it reminded me that I used to do all the makeup you know, like Duran Duran and do a great heavy eye-lined, you know, eyeliner and, and all that when I would do photos and appearances and stuff. And I'm like, today they would call that cisgendered. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that back then. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think I would use the phrase cisgendered for myself today because well, it's I a think... totally, it's a totally different perspective. I think, I think you mean non-binary. Because cisgender just means that your gender is the same as your sex that you were born. Okay, we'll see. I don't. Yeah. There you go. Prime <laughs> example. <laughs> so don't be. You know, don't don't. I, I just now got the transgendered uh, terminology and stuff down, and I love transgendered friends that I've met and that I'm friends with and what have you. But I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the terminology, not, you know, not as being that way or what have you, uh, but just not understanding what I should say, what I shouldn't say, and blah, blah, blah. And there, right there is a perfect example. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the transgender thing is interesting because I've had to kind of educate myself a lot on it as well because mm-hmm. it was so much harder for people to be transgender when we grew up. And fortunately, we've, you know, it's still very difficult to be trans in today's world. And particularly trans women are murdered at an alarming rate. But we have removed a lot of the obstacles. We just have a lot more work to do. And it's sad that sometimes certain parts of the queer community don't want to, now that they've gotten their thing, they've gotten gay marriage, they aren't as interested in continuing to work for the rest of the community to have equality. So, Well, um, I see the other side of that as well, because now that, that everybody doesn't have to try to fight all the time, they have more time to focus on, let's talk about you. What makes you the way you are? What, mm. you know, what does transgender involve? You know, there's more time to learn than it is to protect yourself every day of the week. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's a great mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah, great. Um, anything else you, you want to say as we, as like final comments well, I'll give myself a shameless plug. Go, 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 see, go listen to my music, see my videos, what have you, at davidwoodmusic.com. It's only right. wood, no S. You only need wood. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's davidwoodmusic.com. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. And you're on Spotify as well, I believe, right? I am everywhere you download or stream music. Thank you for, for being on the show, David. Everyone, that was David Wood. And go see him perform. Go download and listen to his music. Again, you can find him at www.davidwoodmusic.com. episodes of this podcast at www.queerspirituality.net. That's www.queerspirituality.net. Let me know what you think on Instagram at queer underscore spirituality, or continue the discussion with like-minded people in the Queer Spirituality Facebook group. You can find it linked from the Queer Spirituality Facebook page or on the homepage of the Queer Spirituality website. Bright blessings. Thank you.